Focus on Creative podcast, where we hear from creative experts, influencers, dreamers, and doers, what they've learned and what we can learn from their journey as we explore, respond, and create. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. This is Rich Langton. I'm your host, and I'm pumped for another episode. At the start of each year as a creative team, we like to kick off the year with thinking about the vision and the direction of the year. So Cass Langton, my wife, and our global worship and creative pastor, she spoke a message entitled, A Year Called Alfred. There's a crazy story as to how she came up with that title, and um, I'm sure you'll enjoy that. But really what she spoke about was a year with five R's. That's taking more risks, having resilience, building relationships, having reverence for God, and a year of revival, which is what our senior pastor, Pastor Brian, has been really focusing on and believing for in 2019. And so now we've reached the halfway point of the year, and we thought it'd be a great time to revisit those five R's and really the message and the direction that we're taking as a creative team. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Our team is currently working on season six, and we've got some great stuff coming up. But why don't you join us as we revisit a year called Alfred. Oh, I have a feeling it's going to be one of those years. And I don't know if you've been around Hillsong for very long, but we are the masters of pump. Every year is better than the last one. But I have a real expectation about 2019. I feel like something changed at the end of last year. And as a church, we began to get this hunger and this expectation for God. And in Sunday services, the Lord's been doing stuff and we've been praying for people. And there are testimonies coming in of God at work. And so I am really excited about 2019. Anybody else? Okay, does anybody do what I do and put words across their year? So we are on holidays in Camp Langton and we're having those conversations about what the year's gonna look like. And so I say to my two kids and husband, what are we gonna call this year? And Rich goes, ponders for a minute, stops and goes, I think we're gonna call it Alfred. Alfred. I'm like, you're gonna call the year Alfred? What does that even mean? I'm expecting some profound word. And he goes, we're gonna call it Alfred. Are you called Alfred? And so that's the title of my message tonight. We're having in creative, well, we're having in the Langtons, you can have it too, a year called Alfred. Now, when I asked Rich what he meant, he goes, you know who Alfred is? He's the butler from Batman. Oh. And he goes, Alfred was there to serve Batman. He's gonna serve us. This year, the Lord has given us time and he's given us a year. And he hasn't given it to us just to mark it so that we can do all the same things over again. He's actually given us time so that we become Christ-like, so that he forges his image and his DNA deep within us. So this year is actually a gift from God to you and I. And we get to take it how we want to and do whatever we will with it. Truth is, a year is like a box of chocolates. What do they say? You never know what you're gonna get, right? You never know what you're gonna get. So when you look at a chocolate on the outside, unless you know what roses are, you have no idea what you're gonna get. You might love it, you might hate it, but you are gonna get it anyway. And your attitude and your approach to this box of chocolates, I'm gonna pass them all the way back and you guys are just gonna pass them back until they're all gone. 
It's going to determine what you get. You see, the truth is, is that God is not a good luck charm, but He is a good shepherd. And the Psalms say that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This year, we're going to take the good and the bad, the beautiful and the ugly. We're going to take whatever is in the box of chocolates that God dishes up, and we're going to keep walking right through to the other side of the year. Okay, and we're going to make a commitment as a creative team that whatever comes our way, at the end of the year, we will be found standing. Because I believe one of my roles, one of Orts' roles, and JP and Gabe and Dean and Dave and Brad and Jeff, and wherever you find yourself in Australia, you have pastors. And our job is to point you to Jesus, to make sure you see Him and you find Him in every one of life's circumstances, and that you find Him in this year marking you and calling you and setting you apart. And so I am saying that this year is not called the year of Alfred, but for us as a creative team, it is a year of adventurous discipleship. I like that. Do you like that? The adventure of discipleship. I've been reading John. A girlfriend and I, we are reading through the book of John together, holding each other accountable. And we are seven chapters in. And so as I started thinking about the year, I was reading the very first chapter of John. And Jesus comes and He calls His disciples. And He says, come, follow me. And so they do. And they go, okay, leave everything behind. Some of you have come from college and it feels like that. You are embarking on this year of radical, adventurous discipleship. And you don't know where Jesus is leading you. But for others of you, you've been following Jesus for a long time. And you maybe think that this year is going to be anything but adventurous because you've done it before. But in John, I started to read the stories and I find Jesus and He calls Simon, Peter and Andrew and James and John and Nathaniel and they all come follow Him. And I think they probably wonder, what have I gotten myself into? What am I going to do? This is going to be awesome. The rabbis picked me and I'm following Him. And they start to follow and the first thing they do is they find themselves at a wedding. And they're at a wedding and they run out of wine. And the guy that they're following's mum's there. And the mum goes, hey, honey, how about you do me a bit of a favour? And Jesus goes, it's, it's not my time. And she goes, yeah, yeah, but. She says to the servants, go fill these vats with water and do whatever he tells you to do. I went, what an interesting way to approach Jesus. Do whatever he tells you to do. I wonder what a year of adventurous discipleship would look like if you and I decided to do whatever he told us to do. If we just had a commitment from the outset that that was going to be our posture this year. Do whatever he tells you to do. I think we would find ourselves in a pretty adventurous position. Because you see, at this wedding, they take these ceremonial jars and all of a sudden, what was water in them, filled to the brim, becomes wine. And not just any wine, but the best wine. And so these disciples who have been called from fishing are now winemakers. But in the very next breath, the wedding's finished, and the guy that they're following is in a temple with a whip, starting to crack it at religious leaders. I don't know about you, but I start to think this is kind of shocking. It was really nice at the wedding when he's making extra alcohol, right? But then in the next minute, they're following a religious leader who is driving other religious leaders out of the temple. 
And I reckon that if you start to read the story thinking about it with any form of reality, you go, what must they have been thinking? The guy that they followed from the shore to the wine press has now got whips. And then next chapter, he's meeting a religious leader in the cover of dark, leading him to God, telling him what it really looks like. And I started to think in this one chapter, their lives are pretty adventurous. Their lives are unexpected. Do whatever he tells you to do. I wonder if this year we make a commitment to do whatever he tells us to do, whether we're not gonna go through the motions again. We're not gonna think we know what we're getting. Because if your God isn't exciting, and if there isn't an unknown quality in what he's calling you to do, then when I read the Bible, I wonder if that is the Jesus we're actually following. You see, I don't think he lived a comfortable middle-class life where he dropped his kids at school and never talked to anybody else and never got out of his comfort zone. I don't think he would be happy for us just to settle back and live our great lives ourselves. He was always on mission. He was always about others. He was always committed to them. And I think we have to actually get ourselves on mission this year. Pastor Brian has declared that revival is in the air. And if that is really what this year is, if that's the word that's over the year, then we are in for an epic adventure. You are gonna see people come into our church that you wish weren't here. You're gonna wanna judge them. When we were sitting talking about what kind of year we're gonna have, my son went, I think I'm gonna have to have a year of non-judgment because I'm pretty prone to pointing the finger. Now he's 13 and I felt convicted. I was like, all right, I wanna have that year too. How do I love more and judge less? And then Lils goes, I wanna have a year of extreme generosity. And I went, I don't. If I really surrender everything to God, what's he gonna ask of me? But then I went, that's where the adventure is for all of us. On the edge, where you're standing so close to the cliff that you're willing to jump if the Lord asks you to. So I went, let's do that. As a creative team, let's commit to a different kind of year. But not just a year, but maybe a life of a disciple that is grounded in adventure. And so as I was talking to our team at the start of the year, I started going, what sort of words are there that's gonna frame this year? And I talked to them about five words. And I thought it was just for our key staff. And then as I've been pondering, I went, you know what, I think these words actually prayerfully belong to us as a community. They're five things, and I have five words and five action points. And if you will, I'm gonna ask you to put them into practice this year. I'm gonna ask you to let them define us, let them define you, and let them define your relationship to our community. Because I think if you do, by the end of the year, we are gonna be better off. So I've got five R's. Are you ready? Are you ready? Okay, do you have a notebook, paper, pen, something? because you're gonna need these words, you're gonna need the action points, and we're gonna do them. So the first word that I think needs to define this year is risk. A year of risk. What risks are you gonna take this year? What are you gonna do differently this year than you've ever done before? For those of you who have come to college, you're already living right in the middle of risk. But for George Whippy, You've done how many years in our team? 17 years. George Whippy's done 17 years in our team. What's George? It's awesome. 
What's George going to do that's a risk this year? For all of us, there is a risk element in coming to creative. There is a risk in creativity. To put yourself out there creating is risky. To sing for the first time on platform is risky. To be a lighting guy, that's my worst nightmare. Right? I actually once, we had a Sisterhood United night and I went and stood behind the sound desk, which is pretty much a no-no because it makes everybody feel awkward. But I just leant up in the corner and I turned off all the lights in the auditorium just for a second and I went, ooh, the lighting guy. (laughs) But it was me. But there is a risk in bringing your creativity. There's a risk in bringing your ideas. There's a risk in contributing songs. There is a risk in actually putting your hand to your craft There is a risk in telling story. I think we have to take more risks. I think we need in all of the rooms across our church for more risk when it comes to leading worship on a Sunday morning. More risk in your bedroom when it comes to putting together set lists and arrangements. More risks in the words that we write in songs. More risk in taking photos. More risks in editing videos. But where I think our real risk lies this year, and this is what I want you to hear, is taking a risk on others. And when the disciples were called, Andrew comes and Jesus calls him first. And as he walks away, he went, my brother needs to know this. And he goes and he tells his brother he's found the Messiah and they leave everything and they follow Jesus. And Andrew took a risk in telling Simon Peter. And that was a pretty great risk that paid off for the church. So my question is here tonight, who is it that you're prepared to take a risk on? Who are you prepared to invest in? Over summer, my nephew, Jones Morgan, came home and he's an avid drummer. He's a 15-year-old kid who I reckon from the time he was two has been consumed by drums. And one day he saw Rolf drumming and he goes, can I just go sit behind him and watch him? can I just sit up there? And Rolf let him sit there and watch him drum and Jones came home, he goes, he's still the best. He's absolutely the best. And I think Rolf, from the time Jonesy has been little, has spoken words of life and encouragement over him, has let him come and watch him in every rehearsal that he's ever been in, has let this really annoying little kid who was too hyper and too over the top actually become one of the main drummers at Hillsong Liverpool actually become the kid who was leading worship last night in their services. And nobody would have seen potential in him when he was that big. But Rolf went, let me take him under my wing and let me train him and groom him and equip him. Now the guys are taking a risk on a guy called Nathan Nortley. He's 23, maybe 21, 21. And he's from Newcastle and he's brilliant. He's about to take on a massive portfolio overseeing a whole lot of stuff in our CT team. I think for us as a team, you've got to ask yourself, who is it that I'm investing in? Crocker, who is it that you are actually pulling under your wing and starting to write songs with? Who is it that we are starting to go, you know what, our team is big enough for more and we need to expand it and let them in. But if we're not actually mentoring and training and taking risks, then we're holding it all for ourselves. And if you think you're going to miss out on an opportunity by letting somebody else in, then you're absolutely wrong. The only way to grow the kingdom is one person at a time, one risk at a time, and give them opportunity. And let me tell you that if you watch people you've taken a risk on start flying, 
in the area where you're serving, you will feel more fulfilled than you having your greatest win on platform when you start watching people find their gifting and their calling and find their fit. So the first action point is everybody find somebody. And if you don't know what you do in team, then invite them to team night. Let's just take a risk on pulling people into our community. You know, I believe that our campus in Darwin, who has probably 30 or 40 people on a Thursday night, could double if everybody took a risk. If you started looking for people in church who need to be connected and pulling them in, we could actually outgrow our buildings and move, not for numbers sake, but for people feeling connected, for people feeling like God's given them a gift and they know where to use it. And then I think we have to actually be committed to connecting people to the world. So take a risk on people in industry. Take a risk on Christians who are cutting it in their field and begin to pray for them and release them and love them and encourage them and champion them. So who is it that is your person? I want you to write a name now. Who is it that you are going to invest into this year? Who is it you're going to pull alongside you? Who are you going to talk to your oversight about? What bass players are we going to pull through onto our platform? Because there is so much more that we could be doing. This episode is brought to you by our Hillsong Worshiping Creative Conference. It's for every kind of creative, whether you're a musician, singer, a graphic designer, architect, an audio engineer, or video editor. It's a place for the artists of the church to gather together, to worship, to be inspired and refreshed, and to be equipped and trained for your sphere of creativity. Find out more details at hillsong.com forward slash WCC. Now, let's get back to the episode. My second word. My second word is this, resilience. Anybody who has been around here enough, you know that we can pump you up full of vision. I can write the best songs. I can do the best dance. I can write, lead the best worship. I am a lighting operator. I'm awesome, right? And then all of a sudden you find yourself not on roster. You find yourself coming from another church overseas where you have been the kingpin and they won't even let you sing in the choir. You've been pushed to the kids' program. And you think I'm joking and you giggle a little bit, but it is so true. We turned up at Hillsong Church, I think it was like 20 years ago, and Rich and I had run everything in our church. We'd run Alive at Five, Wednesday at Wallace's, all the big programs, guys, they were happening. And we were so pumped to come to Powerhouse on a Friday night. And we walked into Powerhouse and we asked if we could help move the chairs and they told us no. We weren't skilled enough. Oh, yeah, laugh, funny. It didn't feel very funny. And I went home and I cried because I went, we've moved our whole life to Sydney and they won't even let us help them. But the truth was that God called us to Sydney. And so I got up the next morning and I kept doing what I knew to do. And I feel like for 20 years, that's what I've done. Keep getting up, keep having a go, keep putting yourself in position, keep doing what's in your hand, keep doing what's asked of you. And somewhere, God continues to use us and no one ever arrives. And the jobs that you think look like the dream jobs actually all have their own shortcomings and shortfalls. And you talk to any of the guys on our team for any length of time and they'll all whinge about what they do too. And they'll all want more and different. But the truth is, the dictionary says that resilience is about springing back into shape. And I think it doesn't matter where you find yourself on the weekend, you're going to need a good dose of springing back into shape, 
Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, when you have a bit of an average weekend leading on platform, when the guys tell you that your mix wasn't good enough, sounds like a fishbowl, when your photos don't get used by anybody important on Instagram on a Sunday night, they seem petty, but they're all things that steal our confidence, that actually make us feel like we don't belong. But the truth is, resilience is being able to pick yourself up and continue to put yourself forward. So what I want to talk to you about is your percentages. The action item for resilience is percentages. Now, I'm not looking at your percentages. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about online planning centre. So where you get rostered, you can choose to accept or decline. And true story, you can put all your holidays in, in advance, and you can put in when you're not going to be in church. And we don't hold it against you or give you a black mark unless you fail to confirm your rosters, even the most senior worship leaders. You see, the truth is, is in the middle of tough seasons, what we notice as a team is our declines go up. And they go up because you're not feeling so good about life anymore. You've been rostered on 10 Sundays in a row and it's not that fun being in the back row of choir next to the guy who forgets to put deodorant on. Right, so for you to actually do what you've committed to do, doing what you've said you'll do, being resilient Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, just help us a little bit. Deal? I'm not watching. I don't care if your percentages are at 10% or 90%. But the truth is some of this stuff is character. And some of it should matter to you, that you are able to do what you said you'd do, and you are able to be faithful week in, week out, day in, day out. Resilience is a beautiful quality. I'm going to put it out there for some of you. Last year was a really rough year. And there are people in our team who have been through rough times. And if that is you, then find someone who's done it, who's along the journey a little bit, and ask them how to keep going. Ask them how you keep walking, how you keep standing up, how you keep moving forward. And for some of you, and you'll know who you are, you've been wallowing or you have given up to grief. Years and years ago, stuff happened to you and you just can't keep walking forward. You need to find people who are walking forward. And you need to start choosing joy, not choosing grief. And that will actually put you in this really beautiful spot to continue to see the faithfulness of God. Because the truth is, He is a good God. But life isn't always good. And so somehow we have to find him in the middle of it all and choose to continue to follow him, like I said before, until you get through the valley of the shadow of death, out the other side. Right. Three, relationships. Third R is relationship. This community is an authentic community. We try our very best to be honest and transparent. Try our very best to care for you all. But our rooms are full of people. And Jad Gillies can't be a big brother to everybody. None of our teams are an end in themselves and we cannot pastor or look after all of you and notice or see where you are. But we can all care for each other. Everybody can look after each other and you can find your people here. Sometimes I put it like this, I can't be everybody's mum, but I can be your third cousin twice removed that you see occasionally at the doors when we come in and out. 
We're not all gonna be best friends, but you are going to have friends here. And the way that we care as a church is through connect groups. And so your action point as a creative community is if you wanna be pastored and cared for, if you want somebody to bring meals when you're sick, if you want people to notice when you're not in church, then you need to find a really small group of people who care about you. And that is called Connect Group, and that is how we do it through Creative and at Hillsong Church. Now, truth is, as a creative community, we do a lot of extra hours. We do a lot of rehearsals, a lot of all sorts of things. So my Connect Group doesn't look like Tuesday night, seven o'clock with a Bible study. My Connect Group looks like once a month on a Wednesday night, we have dinner with Robert and Amanda Ferguson. And then my other Connect Group looks like Hannah, Taya, Orts, Katie, Laura, um, Brooke, somebody else, Annie. And, sorry, Annie. <laughs> and, we live, and we live our Connect a lot on a chat on our phone. And we pray for each other and we tell each other what's going on. And when it's not really busy, we grab coffee down at Goodfellas and we sit and we chat for ages. But it can look however you need it to look so that when tough times hit, there are people to call and somebody to oversee what is going on. So, action item one, risk. Everyone, find someone. Action item two for resilient is get your percentages up. Action item three for relationships is find a connect group or a small group of people who care about you and your development. And then number four, it's probably my most favourite of all the words, and it's this reverence. We are unashamedly passionate about Jesus. He is the greatest thing that has happened to us. We write songs about him. We make videos about him. We take photos of people encountering him. We are all about what he is doing. And as a result, this community is committed to reading their Bible. And we're not gonna pray stuff that's not in the Word. We're actually gonna commit to the teachings of Jesus. And so if we're gonna do whatever he tells us to do, then you're not gonna get freaky, weird and spiro and go off on some crazy tangent on me. You're gonna listen to what he's telling you to do in the Bible. And you're gonna line everything up with scripture. And we're gonna become one of those communities that is really rock solid. And we're not set off course or blowing about or going in fits and starts. We're just gonna steadily keep moving forward after Jesus. And so there is gonna be a reverence in our green rooms, but there is gonna be a passion. And so we are gonna pray for services and pray for people and believe God to move and intervene. And in your own quiet times, I'm gonna ask that you actually commit to reading this book, to loving the Lord and finding Him, to worshipping in your car when nobody is watching because you realise that this is not about performance. And whether you are one of our guys in black behind a production desk or you are a worship leader on platform, you're going to realise that you are a leader in our church. And it matters how you approach Scripture, how you approach God and how you talk about Him. And we are going to talk well of Him. And we're going to talk about him a lot. And you're not going to leave it to be a mystery as to whether or not you're a Christian. You're going to just put it out there. I often think, I wonder if World War II happened again, whether there would be enough evidence to convict me of my love for Jesus. And I pray that there would be. I pray that people would find so much passion in me that they couldn't help it. Right? And so then 
then the truth is when you create, create from that place. Actually wrestle hard with God and the story until you have something meaningful to contribute. You know, sometimes I think we go so surface level, but you could go so much deeper. And I think that there is a commission across this year to become reverent people and the adventure is depth and it's height. And it's all the good places in God that you have yet to discover that are actually incredible. In Isaiah, I think it is, it talks about a secret place that is full of hidden treasure for the lovers of God. And I pray that this year, in your reverence, they would be the places that you discover. And so the action item is to get your streaks up. Rich and I have a competition. You see, on version, every day when you read, you get a streak. And then you get two streaks. And then you get three streaks. And at 10, there's confetti. And at 20, there's confetti. And at 30, there's confetti. And the confetti may not motivate you, but I love the confetti. And at the moment, I am at five perfect weeks and 69 streaks. Thank you very much. Because I used to love my paper Bible, but I have been so motivated by the streaks that 69 days ago, I changed to reading my digital Bible. And I still read my paper, but it's actually become the most incredible habit to help me daily to be in the Scripture. And so I'm going to ask you, for the next 10 days, download a plan from you version, and begin to read it. And if you don't know which one to do, Tim Keller has got an awesome 14-day one on prayer. And if you don't know what to do, I'm doing 30 days of John by the Bible Project. And Scripture Union has the most incredible 100 days of the key passages in Scripture that you should know. And as a community, let's commit to reverence and let's get our streaks up. And last but not least, this is a year of revival. This is a year of revival. And we are going hard after God. And as a creative team, we have always said that we are prophetic in a community. We're going to experience what the church is experiencing before they do so that when we turn up on a Sunday, we are ready to lead them to places where we've already been. And so I am committed this year to this place being a place of revival. I am committed more than anything to miracles happening in your families for us to actually stand together and pray for things that we don't even dare to whisper out loud because they are so dear to our hearts. Stand with each other through marriage problems, families, finances, whatever it is. And for us to have each one of us, one crazy, wild, audacious miracle that we need that only God can come through on. And I have mine. And I'm going to ask you to find yours. And for us to believe with each other, share with your connect group, and actually trust God for revival to start here and now. You know, when Mary said, do whatever he tells you to do, they went and they bought the jars. And it says that the servants filled them to the brim till they were overflowing. And I felt like tonight there would be no better way to start the year than for us to stand to our feet and for us to trust God to fill us to the brim with his Holy Spirit, that we would be vessels that can be used by God, that we would bring empty jars and walk out of here full of God so that you are ready to do what he has called you to do this year, that you would be ready to take risks, that you would be ready to be resilient when you need to be, that you would cultivate deep, meaningful relationships, that you would leave this year 
with a reverence for God like you dream about right now, a different kind of relationship with Him than what you've walked in, and that you would see revival come. Our world needs Jesus. I'm not sure about you, but I left uh, that message when I heard it with a sense of inspiration and motivation and a little bit of a kick up the pants. And so I hope that that's been helpful for you and encouraging for you as you are entering into this new year or this new season, if you're listening to this a bit later. Next up, we've got an exciting new segment for you. We've been gathering questions from all of you guys. You've been submitting them on Instagram and through the Anchor app. And so we've been gathering questions about creative leadership, about worship leading, production, all the stuff about having a creative team in church life. And so in this season of the podcast, we're going to be answering those questions starting from today. So... Buckle up. We're going to answer some of your questions. We're going to do our best to be as helpful as possible. And uh, here we go. Hey, so you guys have just heard Cass speaking at Team Night all about the year of Alfred. Who knew that was going to end up being a thing? I was thinking about it. We had this amazing question about how to get your team to catch the uh, creative vision. You've just heard Cass sharing the vision. And um, then there's this question about vision. So I thought I'd grab Cass and get her to answer the question that Samantha's asked. So Cass, welcome. Hi, Rich. Nice to have you. <laughs> welcome you to much. the year of Alfred. Yep. It's um, going to be a good one. Sam- Samantha has asked this question. She says, how do I ensure that every volunteer on your team catches the creative vision? So in our church, there isn't really a creative vision. There's um, a church vision, and we find a way to play a part in outworking the church's vision. I think for us, this is constant. Like casting vision is actually week in, week out, day in, day out, every meeting, every prayer meeting, every green room gathering, every team night, every everywhere we go is to continue to articulate. We gather in order to build the church, see Jesus made known, Mm. um, stir your craft, put your gift to use. Whatever those things are, we are constantly articulating and re-articulating those things. Mm. I don't think people get it the first time. Mm. And, in fact, I think when you go to buy a product, they say you have to have seen something seven times before you even register that you've seen it. Mm. And I would say to leaders who get frustrated, they feel like they have to articulate over and over again, that is the role of leadership just to keep finding new ways of saying the same thing over and over and over so people hear. Mm. And so then from that perspective, we also might use um, not just speaking the vision, right. you not just tell them, yep, good. but there's yeah. other ways, right? Right. So we um, were reading an article once and it said you need to communicate widely and diversely and use every aspect that's available to you. So I think for us as a team we use um meetings where we speak, but we use visuals, we use um, blogs, Instagram, social media, um, all sorts of different places to continue to speak vision, Mm. emails, updates, newsletters, planning centre, like all sorts of different places. Mm. And I think the beautiful thing for us is actually we have a really strong leadership core and so then you have a lot of people using different vocabulary to say the same thing so people are hearing it from our production team, our TV team, our musicians, our singers, our vocalists, our photographers, and everybody is reinforcing the same thing. We have a strong culture at Hillsong Church which is driven top down Mm. and so we take our lead from our senior pastors and that actually helps to make sure that the same message is going through our team. Mm. I was just thinking about another aspect of that. 
it might be that Samantha is asking about the creative vision for a particular moment. So in other words, yeah, yeah, right. um, okay. you're trying to get something across on a Sunday. How do we make sure that... <laughs> this is awesome because yeah. this is actually like one of the things that we've been talking about at the moment is making sure that our creative process is really clear. Mm-hmm. And we have had moments, which I'm sure everybody else has, where because it's creative, it's really subjective. So when I tell you what I see, you don't necessarily see what I see. You see what you see. Yes. And so we have learned that the documentation process, actually putting things on paper is a really important part of making sure everybody clearly gets a vision. Mm. So for all of our special events and um, albums, all sorts of things that we do, there is definitely a brief document that goes out that talks in a really clear sentence about what the vision is. Mm. Generally we name things. So at the moment we're working on a creative brief for Colour Conference and Mm -hmm. it's called Eden Restored. So the the name of it gives you a picture of where you're right. headed and then it's got a two-line summary of what we're trying to achieve and then there is mood boards and you know everything that you're going to see from song treatments to costumes to what's happening on stage to what the video will look like and there is a really clear brief of what you can expect. Mm. Now then I have learned <laughs> <laughs> that what it looks like on paper can be really different to what it looks like when it gets created. Right. So then we have started to put some checks and balances in place. We go, we need some input at different phases of the project to make sure we are all on track, all on target and delivering to brief. Mm. Yeah. And so that actually helps us. Mm. And so then alongside that we have meetings to make sure that all of the key stakeholders are in in the loop and hopefully that then there's not one area of the team that's left out and who are sort of gone off on their own tangent. 100%. Last night we actually, um, we have Vision Sunday coming up. We all sat in a room, we had a meeting and it was surprising to see the holes mm-hmm. because everybody just assumes somebody else has told something. Mm. And then we went and stood in a room and all together as a team we watched what we're going to deliver so that there was very clear communication and understanding around what was happening. Because yep. I think often when you try to use your words, there's just room for misinterpretation. Mm. So, Samantha, I hope we've answered your question. We've gone down a couple of different rabbit warrens there. Um, If we haven't, please write to us again, let us know, um, and we'll do our best to answer in another episode. But hopefully we've answered the question and we really appreciate you taking the time to ask it. Okay, so another question, Cass, which, which is sort of similar, but it's how do you raise and release the next generation of leaders? I love that question. <laughs> I feel like that's top of my mind at the moment. We've been talking about the year of Alfred, right, on that, <laughs> at team night. But one of the things that I have in my heart this year is that we would take more risks and risks on people. It's real easy to play it safe in the church and to get to a certain age and think that, It's their time and their opportunity. But church is always meant to be generational. Mm. The disciples were young. Mm. Mary was young. David was young. And God called them and had a plan for them, not exclusive to the fact that they were little, but inclusive of that. And I think as a team, we actually have to make room for the generation to come in and play their part and get excited about the kingdom. Mm. So I think we have a responsibility to look younger, to actually look at who's coming through and You don't mean... Sorry to interrupt, but you don't mean look younger, as in appear to be younger. You mean no, I find mean physical younger age. people. Like we should be empowering, I think, 
13, 14, 15-year-olds to come through on our worship platform and to play their part in video editing and on front of house desks. And we should be looking for skills and gifts and talents in that generation and putting it to good use in our kids' ministry, youth ministry and on our platforms. Mm. I think it is so fun to feel like God could use you to play a part in building the church. Mm. So um, next week at Team Night, we have two young guys leading worship. They're 17 and 18. They've never led before in their life. It's Isaac Fisher and Ella Farr, and they're good kids. They've got the call of God on their life. They're amazing. They've been faithful in youth. And we can take a risk (laughs) because we're really used to having JD and Jad and the United guys and all sorts of incredible worship leaders on the platform who have Mm. great authority and great command over a room. I expect when they lead, it won't be like when those proficient guys lead. I think we'll have a lot of mistakes. I think that maybe it won't feel as incredible as what it feels when those other guys mm. lead. And I'm okay with that. I actually think that is part of the learning process. Mm. And I think something in their sweetness and their humility and us being committed to the future mm. will make room for that in our team. Mm. And and. We utilise team nights for that sort of thing, 100%, right? 100%, right. But I think that there's a way of thinking about who can you partner with people? Who am I mentoring? Who am I discipling? Mm. And look at people in our team and pull them alongside you. Mm. Our daughter is 15 and her friends are currently doing work experience and a lot of them want to come and do work experience at church with us. And mm. I think that's exciting because I think, in that age group, there are a lot of creative ideas and ways of looking at the world Mm. that if we're not so self-absorbed and thinking that we know it all, we could harness Mm. and we could put to great use in the church because the truth is at the moment we have to reach that generation Mm. and they have a different way of thinking about life and they will be uniquely graced to reach their generation with Mm. the gospel. And so if I want this church to move forward and to remain or the church, not Hillsong Church, but the church, Mm. then we have to faithfully tell the next generation Mm. and then let them continue to reach their generation. Yeah, it's great. So I think risk, I think some resilience so that when things go wrong we can pick ourselves up Mm -hmm. and I think high levels of relationship Mm. in telling them that we believe in them Mm. and we're going to make room for them to actually play their part is important. Yeah. Young people generally have enthusiasm. Oh, and, yeah. um, and so you can utilise that when they're young right. and, and capital, like uh, encourage that, that enthusiasm or you can stamp it out. Right. And it's so easy as, as older people, even though we're not old, but older people to come along and just sort of want them to do everything our way. Yeah. And sometimes the freshness and the enthusiasm, it won't necessarily be all wins and all good. No, but, but it um, will be fun. <laughs> yeah, and, and it will bring with it a, a different sense of joy and, and yeah. as I say, enthusiasm. I think you have to always think of who do I have standing next to me that can take over from me? Hmm. But who am I investing in who is 10, 20 years younger than me who one day will become that next person? Hmm. So I love it because often I'll walk around the office and, and guys will go, I'm going to take your job one day. And I'm <laughs> like, great, okay. How do I actually invest in them mm. to show them what I do so they can take my job? Mm. So I think I've got about three or four people who tell me they're going to take my job and I literally actively try to find moments where I can pull them into meetings or get their ideas about things that encourages that within them. Mm. Which raises a really interesting question. Right. So we've talked about the younger generation, mm-hmm. but what about the older generation. So those that that are even another 10 or or 15 or 20 years our senior, talk about how to 
I guess, as leaders, how to include them. Right, so um, Matt Crocker, who's one of our main um, singer-songwriter worship leaders, his dad, Tony Crocker, has been in our team for, I'm going to guess, close to 30 years. Mm. He still plays faithfully on our platform on Sundays. I love watching him because somehow in his head he's been able to go, I don't have to be the main guy, I'm a coach, and one of the greatest assets that I can bring to team is experience and wisdom and maturity that I can pass on to anybody coming after mm. me. And I think it takes a lot of courage to stay in a young team. Mm. I often have conversations with people and I, think, I feel really old on a Thursday night. And I go, please don't leave us because you feel old. Please find a way to contribute because your wisdom is needed in our team. Mm. And so I think coaching becomes a really incredible role for that generation. They have seen God do incredible things. Mm. They have walked through seasons of life, marriage, hardships, raising kids, all sorts of stuff, and they've remained faithful. Mm. And we have a lot to glean from that. Mm. We have a high value on serving. So we would always say the, the platform is there for service, not status. Yep. And um, that seems, that principle applies if you're 15 years old or if you're 55. Right. It's still about service. And I think it's a really interesting um, test of our heart, all of us, when we're asked to do something different than what we're perhaps comfortable with or what we're used to, or if it's maybe to take a different role, to maybe not in the limelight so much. It's a really test of our heart and of whether whether it's sort of remaining true and whether we're there to serve or whether we're there for other reasons. Right. But along the way, I think we look after the young generation and we have to be mindful of the older generation pastoring them and, and including them but, but and perhaps working with them. honouring their contribution, exactly. right? Because yeah. I think when you lose honour in the culture, mm. then there's a lack of respect for what they've done and mm. it's easy for young people to go, oh, I would never do it like that. Mm. And you never would because they've done it like that and they've built the framework from which you can actually fly forward. So as Mm. long as you're teaching both ends of the spectrum Mm. how to relate to each other, give the old people or the older generation, give the younger guys permission to recreate. Mm. And if the younger guys actually honour what's gone before them, then I think in team it becomes a beautiful combination. Yeah. Thanks for taking the time to answer the question and thank you there for asking the question. We really appreciate it. That's it for today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it and it's been useful for your journey. If you haven't already, I'd love to take a minute just to encourage you to subscribe. When you do that, you become part of our growing community of creatives who are trying their best to live out their faith through their creativity. So join us anywhere you find your podcasts, subscribe, and then you won't miss out on anything. And I always love to hear from you. So please write us a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. It helps with the visibility of the podcast and it lets us know what you think, what you're enjoying and where we can go with the podcast in the future. Aside from that, you can write to me on Twitter at Rich Langton and we'll talk to you next time.